But as I've kind of gotten or as I'm getting older and trying to like really navigate where I find happiness within making things, it's just making sure that I had a good time doing it. And it's still hard. It's still definitely a struggle. Um, I expect it to be a struggle for pretty much ever, but I'm finding more and more that as long as I'm kind of following where I enjoy myself the most truly. And, you know, it takes some, takes some introspection to find that, but, uh, that that's why I've kind of gone the more YouTube route. My name is West Givens and welcome back to the Tungsten Originals podcast. You just heard part of my conversation with filmmaker Kevin Plackey. We discussed becoming a filmmaker during the rise of social media, if the entertainment industry should take YouTube seriously, and his journey from fan to collaborator at The Valley Folk, a YouTube channel with over 250,000 subscribers. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy episode 70 of the Tungsten Originals podcast. Kevin, welcome to the podcast. How's it going? <laughs> hey, uh, you know, can I, West? That's your name. I want to That's just me. say, nice to meet you. yeah. <laughs> like, do you know how cool your name is? <laughs> oh wow! You have Thank you. such a great name. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> like, do you that. get commented on your name at all? I do. A lot of people think it's short. A lot of people think it's Wes without the T. Yeah, a yeah, lot of people that's think what it's I think Wesley. I thought the first time. Yeah. yeah, exactly. A lot of people think it's short for Wesley, um, but it's just straight West. And I do have West. to say, even though I did nothing to obtain this name, I'm pretty <laughs> proud of it. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Good. Good. Uh, I'm, yeah, I'm feeling you good be. about it. Yeah. Well. Well. Thank you. I want every yeah. guest now to start the episode off complimenting me. That okay? That's yeah, that should be a, a new good rule. tone for the podcast. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. You're gonna get Martin Scorsese, and he's gonna be like, "Hey, I love your work, man." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I saw that short film you made when you were 14, and I'm just—I was really blown away. Kevin, this is really exciting. You are involved in some of my favorite youtube channels and just projects online and stuff that i consume on basically a daily basis you work at the valley folk which is an amazing like online um kind of sketch comedy but it's so much more than that and i'm sure we'll dive yeah. on dive into that youtube channel um yeah. the dynamic banter podcast which is by far my um favorite podcast and so many oh, other great yeah. projects that you've been a part of and so um yeah i'm excited to dive into your work with those lovely people and you know all that kind of stuff but before we get there i want to dive into how you yes. got started into filmmaking um so i feel like you're one of those people that's been making stuff forever so how did this start becoming a part of your life i mean it's totally the classic story dude of just i found my i think i mean i don't know there was like three i've chalked it down to like there's three different moments that i say kind of shaped me fully wanting to do this and it was mm -hmm. the lord of the rings behind the scenes featurettes which if anybody has seen the extended editions of those and i mean so many filmmakers have probably watched those just because they're hailed as being so great um right so those um and then 
I guess like I saw on YouTube because I would always play with my Legos and my Bionicle toys as a kid. Like just like I would just make up little action scenes with them all the time just in my head. And then when I went onto YouTube and discovered YouTube, I saw that there was videos of like Bionicle stop motion things that people were putting to music. And that was another moment where I was like, wow, that is the coolest thing ever. I want to do this Mm. somehow. And then just my dad, I guess, being so, he's a very creative person. He works in sound for TV shows and stuff. So he like knows that world. Mm -hmm. And he kind of introduced me to, uh, you know, great shows, great music, great movies. And Mm -hmm. I think those three things just were like, they all came to me probably when I was like eight, seven or eight, or even just growing up with that kind of, those kind of things happening. Um. I just all of a sudden started doing it myself because I was just like, this seems so fun. This seems so great. I This feels like taking so many creative things and pushing it into one. It's just, yeah, I love that about it. Whenever you were like moving along and, and making stuff more seriously, like when did you get to the point where you're like, I want to pursue this professionally? It was probably young, I guess. Yeah. It was... I I truly don't remember that moment happening. It was almost like I just started making videos and if I didn't really get asked, I bet, or at least I didn't think about like, what do I want to be when I grow up when I was like 10, 11, 12? I just was kind of like, I just like making videos right now with my friends. Mm-hmm. And then I think just throughout those weeks and years of doing that, it just kind of was like, oh, well, I guess this is what I'll be doing because you can do mm-hmm. a job. And you can make a living with this. Um, And then the, you know, the explosion of the internet opened so many opportunities for anybody creative doing, you know, especially just anything videos wise, art wise, Mm -hmm. that opened such a big field of jobs. So when that kind of was all happening as I was growing up, it was like, well, this could totally be a thing. This is a this is becoming a huge thing. I think that is something that's really interesting about like our age group of filmmakers, but also just like creators and people who make things artistically in general, because, you know, you go back 20 years ago now and filmmaking was so expensive, you know, like you, it it was not obtainable, you know, like you had to have a ton of money and, you know, and, and so now, and then like, whenever we're starting to figure out that we want to make things like all of a sudden we see these people getting millions of like millions of people are watching them make things and they're just like dudes with cameras and friends like making stuff. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and that's awesome. I love that. (laughs) You would have, I love that too. It's so, you know, I love it. But at the same time, I think I do have some like, would it be better if, because though, you know, like you said, 20 years ago, you would have to, you would, have a job like a side job is like a cashier to earn money to be able to develop your film for like one eight minute scene like it was like that was your mindset <laughs> yeah. so i think it was taken so much more uh i don't know like i feel like people just had more like concentration and passion and like meticulous mm. what is that word <laughs> um with right. films and stuff yeah <laughs> 
because it's one of those things where you have to plan for years and, and race exactly. and stuff. And now you can get your phone and go make something on the weekend and stuff. Yeah, that's exactly. I, I, I think that's a really good point. Um, so I was watching, as I, as I said, you know, before we started recording, I looked back at your YouTube channel, which is linked in the description. Y'all should definitely go check it out and watch his amazing oh, videos. Yeah, but you've made some awesome videos about like how you started working at the Valley Folk and, um, you know, what your first year working there was like and just these videos that yeah. I love to go back to and I've watched multiple times. Um, and you talked about how you started watching YouTube in like 2008. And there's, I feel like, not a more perfect time to start because YouTube was like, like you said in the video, <laughs> yeah. they weren't even called YouTubers then, you know? Like it was yeah, the wild no. west of YouTube that we all miss. So, mm -hmm. you know, talk about finding source fed and and how that like molded you and kind of i feel like you know in a lot of ways that's kind of the first domino piece that like led you to where you're like working today you know what i mean totally like and circle, i wouldn't beautiful beautiful way yeah um and it's so i mean we can get into that too of that whole like dream job idea um the you know like i wasn't you know, SourceFed, if anybody doesn't know, was like a big YouTube channel back in the day that had millions of subscribers. And then it got canceled um, because their their main head of the head of the company kind of just said, we're going to cancel it. And it was kind of like, oh, no, crap. Um, but yeah, I mean, me and West were both fans of SourceFed. So uh, like and that was the thing is that I never saw SourceFed and said, that's what I want to do. I saw SourceFed mm. and said, those are great, funny people. Um, right. I was more looking at things like Julian Smith. He was an old YouTuber. Yeah. I was looking at people mm -hmm. who were doing more filmmaking sketches, but also in the YouTube world who had respect for YouTube. Um, and I think that like those types of people kind of just made me realize that YouTube is, um, I think you know, and I could be generalizing this, but I think YouTube gets a bad rap from a lot of filmmaking people. I think, and even I fall myself into thinking this at times. Right. Um, just right. that YouTube is like a step down from filmmaking type of thing. And I agree that it's different. It's definitely a different realm, but it's not, there's people who, enjoy doing it that way as much as people who enjoy making films without like going through a film festival circuit and things like that and i think that was like this slow realization for me as i was watching these different youtube people making their things and then also seeing movies and being like well these i kind of like the idea of youtube better it seems more free mm -hmm. it seems more like community based yeah. um and that was all stuff that I latched onto. I just liked the format. I think it was probably an age thing, just that like I was growing, I fell perfectly to grow up with that. So that's what felt near and dear to my heart. Right. Um, and yeah, then, you know, kept on making videos just on myself. And then, I mean, by myself with friends sometimes. And then, I mean, probably around like, 17 18 was when i was like i guess i should really start taking this super seriously in terms of like how can i make this my job how can i make a living off of this um 
I mean, then we could get into the whole story of how I got the job too, <laughs> but I don't know yeah, how far I, you want. I would. Oh, oh, I want to go. I want to go all in. I want to dive head first because yeah. I've, I've. It's such a cool story to me, and it's like. I, I kind of want to live vicariously through you whenever I like watch the video because it's <laughs> such a cool, like it's such a cool full circle thing. But before you tell the story, I do want to explain a little bit more about SourceFed because totally, I, totally people that I like my friends, they don't really know about SourceFed. And it's something that is like, even though it was canceled in 2017 and like had its life and everything, it is something that is like locked into my brain that is forever a part of me and it's you know it's like it's just so hard to describe like what they were what the people at source were yeah. able to create in the community they were able to build and so i'd love for you to just give a, a taste of like of why we were so attached to it you know what i mean yeah i mean source fed was it started with three different hosts joe lee and elliot they were three hosts um and they pretty much did like news they would you know tell you um articles uh behind like a white wall and they made it comedy they made it fun they made it themselves they weren't just like giving the news facts they were they made sure they got their information right but they did it in a very fun way. They did it in a very creative way. Um, they utilized the crew. So they would talk back and forth with crew. And it was just this very, you know, I'll say it, YouTube feel of the yeah. news type of thing. Um, and they also then just started doing like, because, you know, you fell in love with these personalities of these hosts, just like you do with mm -hmm. any show. And they started um, doing like, where they would react to comments from uh, the viewers. They would do like truth or dare from the viewers. And, you know, it exploded to like, you know, they did video game news. They had a different channel for that. And then they had like a mm -hmm. sketch channel from SourceFed. Um, so they kind of just were creatives. You know, the whole team was just a bunch of creatives who, I mean, formed a family really in terms of the community because they interacted so well with the community they cared about the fans um and i think that it was rare or it's rare now to find that um mm -hmm. with youtube that type of warm family feel um i would say now when i look at big youtubers i see fans i see fans yeah. of certain people whereas SourceFed and I think you know Rhett and Link have this also type of feel um it's fa it's a family it's a community it's like you guys are just as great as us and we could get along just as cool as you are like they just felt like normal people um mm -hmm. so yeah I mean that's what SourceFed was and it went on for I don't even what was it eight nine years ten years um yeah something yeah not long yeah. enough. And, <laughs> like yeah. That. And then it just got kind of canceled out of the blue. I mean, they still yeah. had a good following. Um, and it just one day was like, we, this is going to be no more. And then it ended. Um, yeah. And then, you know, those, the four, there was four original hosts from SourceFed and a year and a half went by, I think ish. And those yeah. four hosts yeah. from the original SourceFed started their own company, the Valley Folk. 
which is who I'm a part of now. So that's kind of where SourceFed ties into all of this, <laughs> why we're talking about it. Right, exactly. Right. I think also one one way that um, they were able to build that community is because of how weird it was. <laughs> You had oh, to have yeah. a really specific sense of humor to totally, like their man. stuff. And so, like you were saying with fans, like, you know, I, I like I love MKBHD videos, you know, but if uh, I met someone yes. and they like MKBHD videos, it's like I, I wouldn't really I'd be like, yeah, we like tech, but like. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know <laughs> yeah. if I could like get along with them. I meet someone who likes SourceFed and I'm like, we we get each other. We're both messed up totally. in the same way yes. we can hang out. You know what That's I mean? That's a great way. Yeah. I mean, like it was like you were just, yeah, a best friend with this person simply because you knew you liked SourceFed together. Like it just went so deep into that. And so, like you said, you know, SourceFed gets canceled. And like, I mean, the community is just like totally devastated. They did this week of like the last hurrah week and they had this big live stream yeah, at the, the end last and bought, brought on old hosts and stuff. Yeah. And it was really emotional. Like there again, that was like the closest emotional connection I'd formed with any kind of creator and some, and, and, you know, and I was just, yeah. it was just like this cathartic experience that we were all going through and it was so interesting. And then I remember seeing the four hosts, like they all changed their profile pictures on like Twitter to like the, different parts of the Valley Folk logo. And I was like, oh, something. Oh, real. wow. That's great. <laughs> and I got really excited. And <laughs> yeah. then they announced the Valley Folk. Yeah. Yeah. I remember it vividly. Um, and so then, like you said, they announced the Valley Folk and it's, um, and it's kind of like what the source fed fans like felt they were missing for a while. So, um, mm -hmm. and yeah, now you're working for them, which is just still, still so cool to me, but to even go yeah. back a little bit, like I think the way you became, uh, an employee there and more than an employee a creative partner because you you so are so influential on the style of things is it's you didn't like imply to a linkedin posting or an indeed posting you no. like had <laughs> a, a back and forth with them over years and that is also fascinating to me so i'd love for you to to dive into that story a little bit i mean it's fascinating for me too man and i still like it's so, you know, the whole imposter syndrome thing. Like, I feel like the, <laughs> oh, way yeah. it <laughs> like the way it happened for me, like, just escalates that feeling so much because it just feels so like this was such a weird way to get a full time job like doing this. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, two, one, two of the source fed hosts or one of them and then his friend, uh, Mike Falzone and Steve Zaragoza uh, started a. Uh, podcast uh after so or i guess it was going on while source fed was yeah going on I think they so, started yeah. a podcast yeah called dynamic banter and uh i loved that was a huge fan of dynamic banter um watched every episode and then you know throughout the years of them making that i was kind of just making my own things trying to just get better essentially trying to figure out what i like to do which i still am figuring out um and then they came up with like a bit because they do it's like a comedy podcast so they do a bunch of bits like where they'll just create funny characters and stories in in the podcast and uh one of the bits was like about like a little pig and i thought it was hilarious and like as i was listening to it i was kind of just like imagining what was happening and then i thought i'm gonna make this into a video i'm gonna just try and make this into something because 
I just seems fun and it seems like something that I could actually pull off. So I did that um, and then sent it in or like tweeted at Steve and Mike in the podcast. And like he met, I mean, Steve messaged me back, like retweeted it, all the like social media stuff, which I just thought was great. I was right. like, oh, this is so right. like it was like a very connection to an art piece that was felt very yeah real to me um and then like they talked about it on the podcast um and in my head i was just like wow that's so cool that my work just got to these people that i like and they enjoyed it so much like that was my feeling then um and then like i did like i did a couple like before um in january of 2018 Steve messaged me on uh, Twitter just saying, like, I, how would you feel about, like, making a bunch of those dynamic banter skits? Um, and I could even throw you some cash to, like, help you make them stuff type of deal. And uh, that must was, have been course, pretty like, crazy. That was that was like f- the first moment of like, oh, my gosh, what the heck yeah. is happening? <laughs> because, it, again, right. like it was it was. It wasn't like I like had some big crew to make because, you know, Steve and Mike, you know, as much as they are YouTube, they still have a lot of professional experience. They still are. Totally. They know how sets work. They know all that type of stuff. And so when a kid just with his camera makes a stupid skit with a pig with himself, it just <laughs> feels <laughs> like <laughs> it doesn't feel real that like, OK, why do you want me to make something? But, you know, of course, I still was just thrilled to do it and um for that you know he started the valley folk that same around that same time so the valley folk was kind of becoming a production house type of feel um as i was making more of these dynamic banter skits um so i made a few more of those and then through like a message with steve i was just like if valley folk ever needs an extra hand with stuff let me know. I'd be, I'd love to help out type of thing. And, uh, that kind of just, I guess like that he knew then that I would be interested in it. And then also saw the work Mm. that I was doing and liked it enough. And they liked it enough, um, to where then it led to like, you know, I still had like an interview. I still met with them to like, make sure I wasn't some crazy guy. Same person. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, you know, then it was like, yeah, you're hired type of deal and that was just again i remember coming into the room the first time i don't think steve was there i'd already met steve um but i remember coming to the office like before in like the pre-interviews to meet these three original source fed hosts who i had watched forever only seen on screen to talk about a job with them it was just like I mean, yeah, there's it's truly hard to describe the feeling because it's just like because as much as I would like to say, you know, it was so exciting and happy for me. I'm such an anxious person that I was just like terrified. (laughs) I was just terrified being there, you know? Right. You don't want to mess up. What if you say the wrong thing and and you're fired the next day or something? (laughs) Totally. Yeah. You want to be, yeah. You want to be liked and stuff. That's what my attitude is, unfortunately, too much sometimes. But um, yeah. yeah, so that, you know, and then. And then I started and kind of hit the ground running there as fast paced as I've ever felt before. <laughs> I also like, I'm, I'm glad you pointed out the fast pace thing because that's another like 
way that I think YouTube can stretch a muscle that quote unquote traditional filmmaking can't because like mm -hmm. with SourceFed, I mean, they were doing at one point, I think like multiple daily uploads, like multiple uploads a day. Oh yeah. I mean. So I th they get to they the do office five videos a day. I think, yeah, I think, yeah, they I think did it was five. five yeah. yeah. That was their five like 20 minutes or yeah. less thing. I think totally early on. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Which is just like <laughs> insane to think that they it's, get to yeah. the office at like crack of dawn and then they find a story, record, and then it's edited and then it's out by like 9 a.m. or whatever that it is. day. And so then you compare that to like I was telling you, I'm about to film blueberries. I started writing blueberries over two years ago and exactly, we've been man. in pre-production for... I mean, of course, with COVID for a super long time. And it's just like, you know, then we, we do all this, these months and months and months of prep work and fundraising mm -hmm. and all this kind of stuff. And then you're on set and then you will be on set for 45 days. And then we will be editing for weeks and weeks and weeks. You know what I mean? Yep. So like, not that one is more valid than the other or whatever, but like, I think that quickness is a really good muscle to work because it just totally. makes you like a better problem solver, like in the moment. That's exactly, I mean, if I were to tell, or if you were to ask, you know, what's something that I've learned from Valley Folk, that's 100% like one of the top things is that. Yeah. And coming from somebody who, you know, even if I were to go right now after working with the Valley Folk so long and make something completely on my own, I know I would take so much more time on it um, just because that's in my nature. Um, so again, coming from that attitude of where I would spend weeks and weeks and weeks you know shot listing planning all yeah. the details of these videos that i was doing and then to go into a job that every day was like okay we're gonna get the script and we're gonna read it in the morning and then we're gonna shoot that day and then after i'm done shooting i'm gonna start editing and it like that was again it was tough it was very hard to like be like it felt as if like i don't know how this can be good if I'm not spending so much time on it and having that switch, you know, I think as you know, you sound like this as well. And I think a lot of filmmakers are uh, perfectionism, at least people who oh, are yeah. in the world of like wanting to direct and do produce, you know, these a little bit uh, higher up um, job things. We have this idea of like perfectionism, totally like I don't want this to mess up i don't want to i want this to be as mm -hmm. good as possible um and youtube is a place where i think that you have to bend that a little bit and understand that it doesn't have to be as good as possible it just needs to be decent <laughs> and get out there right um mm -hmm. which i think finding a good balance with that idea is the best i think and for some people for some people who make stuff on YouTube so often, you know, even once a week, like sketches, those people have found a way to work in which, you know, doing it in that way fulfills them. You know, they don't have to spend as much time. And again, it's not any less valid. Um, it's right. more just that, you know, just some different. people. Yeah, it's just different. Some people need that extra time to be like, I think I want to make sure that this is good. Um, but, you know, going back to how I was saying it was such a cool thing that I learned is since I was such a person that spent so much time thinking, thinking, thinking before I could do action, before I would make a and go for it, 
this kind of showed me like, hey, you don't have to think quite as much as you are and just go for it and you will figure it out as you're doing it. I think another way that YouTube, like something that it has taught me and what I've consumed on YouTube and like how I've heard other creators talk about it is YouTube emphasizes the importance of sharing something. Yeah. I know many filmmakers that have a short film on a hard drive and it's just not done or it needs like a color grading tweak or they just don't want to share it because I have films that I made years ago and now I'm way better. And I'm like, I don't know if I want anyone to see that because I don't want them to think that yeah. that is how good I am <laughs> Which, currently. Yeah. You know what I mean? Which is like fair, but what is the point if no one sees it, you know what I mean? Like, I think exactly. that is one of the ways that filmmaking is such an interesting art form is that it is so reliant on an, on an interaction with another person. It's so reliant on an audience. It is. Like I'm, I'm probably going to sound like I'm talking out of my ass, but like if you're at a museum and there's a painting, like if you don't get the painting or whatever, like that's okay. Like, you know, people, I think in a way painters are painting for themselves kind of not in like a selfish way, yes. but that's just how I associate the art, art form as filmmakers. We are thinking about the audience. Like, all yes. the time. Like, what if they don't get this? What if this doesn't make sense to the audience? It makes sense to me. What if it doesn't make sense to them? So that is, I love, like, I, I want to always have that mindset of, you know, don't let perfection be the enemy of good. And if yes. this one thing isn't perfect, well, the great thing about YouTube is you can just post again. <laughs> yeah. You just exactly. keep making it. <laughs> you just keep it's putting it up. And it's like, it. yeah. And that, you know, like, I think trying to, if you're, if that's not ingrained into you, trying to learn that and like accept that is difficult. Um, and just, yeah. I mean, like you said, and you know, I find it funny because I, I totally agree with you on the filmmaking to feel that sense of like accomplishment a little bit of like, wow, mm. I just made something type of deal. The full, I guess, like, the full feeling of that. There's kind of a difference. I have, like, two feelings whenever I'm, like, working on a project. And it's one, once I get to a place where I am watching it and I can feel from it, like, I'm like, whoa, this is actually making me feel something. And as I'm watching right. the thing that I made, that's, like, one aspect of why I love doing it. And then the second aspect is when the audience reacts to it, connects to it, and... I think to get that connection, I hear like filmmakers say like, oh, I just made this for myself type of thing. And I think that if that was the case, you wouldn't, you would have written it and then that would have been it or something. I think that right. filmmaking does require almost like a little bit of a validation from an audience to feel like, and I think it's hard to say that because it's like, you don't want to be like, I don't need people's validation to feel good about my art. You know what I mean? But like, <laughs> yeah. you do want a do. little <laughs> bit of, yeah, you want that connection to happen. It's mostly about that, yeah, connection with the audience. Like you can feel, you can have a premiere of a, of a film and you can know in your heart that it's good and, and you did the best you can. And then if everyone walks out and they're just like, I would be devastated. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. At least I, I would, would rather you hate it. I would be like, what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what did I do? Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'd rather people come out like, oh, that was the worst thing ever. than just being like, I mean, it was, yeah, it's whatever. 
it's that would just be terrible. Yeah. <laughs> it's a nightmare. Yeah. Man, I, I got to say, I'm really, really excited to be talking about this side of filmmaking because yeah. I I really toy with this like either or kind of mindset. Like as I build Tungsten, you know, Tungsten is like yeah the goal, like a production company makes shorts, hopefully one day features, music videos, that kind of stuff. But totally. like I said earlier that YouTube part of my brain like is so it affects how I create things and how I think. And like, I watch YouTube way more than I watch movies or TV shows or anything like that. Yeah, like agreed. it's what I consume. And so I, I never want to leave it. And it's also interesting that I went to like a traditional film school and learned the traditional mm -hmm. forms of filmmaking, the three act structure and like how to set up a C stand and all this stuff that I'm so glad that I was able to learn. But like, man, in a, in a sense, I, throughout this whole thing, I've like throughout going to film school and, and how we were taught and stuff, I just kind of want to be like, we're missing a huge part of the puzzle. <laughs> and yeah. that's just posting it online. And like, yes. like you said, I think a lot of people don't take that seriously because right next to your short film that you worked for two years on, there can be like a slime video <laughs> right next to you that has more views and stuff i mean that's where you know that's where it gets very difficult because you know youtube just to say youtuber is such a broad term nowadays it's like the amount of things that fall into that are insane um and i think you know that i totally i still toy with that i think that getting my job has pushed me farther into why i do love the YouTube world and the digital content world more. Um, but, you know, I I was in a film school as well, you know, before I got this job. And that's what made me drop out because it was like, well, I got a full time job now. I'm just going to have to take the. I'm just going to take this. And, you know, I was learning just those same things. And I think that in a way, you know, I'm someone and I think there's a lot of people out there that probably including you that can really appreciate a YouTube person who involves aspects of filmmaking um, in yeah. terms of a good storyline or good editing or good cinematography, um, good acting. But I mean, that's kind of different. The acting's where the whole thing kind of gets weird with YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, who appreciates the, the production side of, of uh, filmmaking, but then also sees the beauty in, how personal and how um real quote unquote because it's not definitely everybody but how real youtube can feel and when two people when somebody mm. can kind of implement those two things together with youtube um i think that's where i find the most joy and like most like connection from uh but it's still i mean like for me the way i've kind of approached that is i go after what I'm having the most fun with, I guess, because totally. I found that with going on sets and doing that type of thing, um, you know, being in that world, you know, running film festivals and stuff, you know, I started to attempt to do all that and I just wasn't having fun. I felt like I was dreading it more than I, yeah enjoyed it like i loved making the thing but like all the other mm. stuff and just like sometimes the the level of production that sometimes people think you need to make something good um in that world is like insane um and yeah. 
I just don't enjoy that as much. Again, there's some people who do, who love that world and love the being like in that big production set type of feel. Um, I just am finding more that I don't have as much fun in that way. I I have more. And, you know, I could say that I want to make the coolest, best looking thing and everything like that. But as I've kind of gotten or as I'm getting older and trying to like really navigate where I find happiness within making things, it's just making sure that I had a good time doing it. And that's really where like I've been. And it's still hard. It's still definitely a struggle. Um, I expect it to be a struggle for pretty much ever. But I'm finding more and more that as long as I'm kind of following where I enjoy myself the most truly. And, you know, it takes some, takes some introspection to find that, but, uh, that, that's why I've kind of gone the more YouTube route. It's just, yeah. And I think to go back to the conversation about people, um, who like balk at YouTube or don't take it seriously and stuff. Mm -hmm. Peter McKinnon is as a filmmaker and photographer, Um, he made a really great video that uh, I'll link in the description of this episode that y'all should check out. Oh yeah. I know what you're um, talking about. Yeah. 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 It's, it's relatively recent. It's about, he got an opportunity to direct an ad for Hyundai in Canada, like Hyundai, like a big, a huge yeah. car commercial. And this guy <laughs> is quote unquote, I think it's called just a YouTuber or something like that. I think that's what the video is called. And it just dives into this whole idea of like, people don't take it seriously yet when you look at when you look at someone like peter mckinnon like you know i i have i'm once blueberry is done i'm gonna put a reel together and then i'm gonna update my website and make sure it's all like super presentable and stuff and you know all this all this kind of stuff peter mckinnon you can go and see what he's capable of in 30 seconds. You know what I mean? It's yep. right there. Yep. And yes, that is of course doable with people like who have updated reels and stuff like that is of course possible when you make your own website, Yeah. but his portfolio is publicly available and you can see as like a potential hire or as like, as like Hyundai, the, yes. the people who are in charge of figuring that out, you can see the audiences are connecting already. So like the proof is there, yes. like he's already proved himself as a filmmaker. And that is something that is really, really attractive to me is that you don't have to totally. get festival laurels or you don't have to, whatever it is, get these awards and all this kind of stuff. Like the most important thing about all of filmmaking, no matter where you put it is people seeing it. That's at the, at the core of what we do is what is all we want. We want people to see it and to connect with it. And like I was telling you again, before we recorded the episode that came out today, but it's last episode before yours, uh, was with Justin Robinson, who was a quote unquote traditional filmmaker, but he's, you know, been active in like the YouTube world with film riot. And he made this documentary called my brother, Jordan put it up on YouTube because he finished it when festivals were closing down and the world was crazy. It yeah. caught wave on the YouTube algorithm and became a trend on TikTok. 15 million views on YouTube. Yeah. Like, yeah, there's the proof. And, I don't I mean, like, I, in my mind, I'm like, it's valid. It's that's, that's the proof. It's right totally, there. totally. But I mean, like, the again that goes back to wait is that justin the the one justin that was Robinson. like in sketches on film right yeah yeah oh wow i didn't i gotta check that out that's awesome i'm very excited he was awesome yeah that's so cool um yeah like it goes back to like 
how we were saying how broad the term YouTube is. I think, you know, thinking uh, YouTube does have a big cloud over it of like vlogs and like cheesy editing, stupid little, you know, a kid with his toy channel, something like that. Like you said, the slime (laughs) videos, it has all this crap that's like in this cloud, but there's also another little piece in there that is filmmaking like vibes you know and you can see like you can see that somebody could make a movie like you could see a youtuber i can see somebody like peter mckinnon making a movie making a commercial type of thing and there's you know film riot ryan and him is like you can see them making movies because but that's also what i want to say with this is that you know peter mckinnon as well in terms of doing youtube it wasn't like he just posted uh like vlogs that were done in a travel way he still definitely brought his own style his own Mm -hmm. take on things he went even into like um teaching you things he went into that whole world to kind of build his channel up and get his you know get eyes on him because i think that you know you do have if you're gonna choose to do youtube you have to think of it a little bit, you know, like you said, getting people to see it. And a lot of people might not just see it if you just title it like some art name of, you know, like, exactly. I don't know. Like if I made whatever, like Boyhood. Or some, yeah, it's yeah. totally. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like you can't, it's hard to find that. But let's say you made tons of videos that were more YouTube um, focused that were still done well. You could still make them look great, but they're just theme of them isn't so niche. It's like more like broad that everybody can like, oh, I can find this person through it. Um, that's kind of how you build up the audience and then you have this audience that appreciates your work and then you hit them with this short film or this cool commercial product right. that like gets a millions of views and gets spread around and then it's like, okay, this guy can totally do this. Um, but again, it's a choice you have to make. It's a, you can't just be like, I'm just gonna make something and put it up once a month and hope that it blows up. It's like, you gotta like make it your job, I guess. Yeah, exactly. And that's, uh, that is like the side of the coin. That's kind of like the, the reality setting in part of the coin is the fact that YouTube is insanely saturated and making Mm -hmm. money on it can be really difficult and can take years. So like, yes that is certainly something that that people have to consider if they're looking at it from that perspective of like, I'm going to make this a full-time career. But on that Peter McKinnon video, I think M- MKBHD Marquez Brownlee commented on it and said like, all roads lead to YouTube. And I'm sure like most of those other guys probably wish they were YouTubers too. And I think that's yeah. probably really true because I'm sure that there are people that are so tired of pitching ideas to studios and getting turned down or having a studio come in and say like, change this thing or whatever. And the beauty of YouTube is you do it yourself. And that is something that I love so much is like, if you can, and again, like short films are expensive. I'm trying to raise five more grand right now for blueberries. Like I, I'm uh, yeah. aware, well aware of the, by the way, check out the fundraiser in the description of this episode. <laughs> but, <laughs> go, 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 go. Um, yeah, go, 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 <laughs> please, please, please. But you know, it's, it's difficult. Like whenever you, it's way, it's way nice when a studio comes in and gives you half a million dollars to make something. But 
man, the, I just, that feeling of doing it yourself with your friends and just putting it out there on your own. Yeah. Love well, it. I want to channel. You that. know what I think about too, is that why a little bit and maybe this is kind of coming to me now, so I could be talking crap, but <laughs> like, do you think that <laughs> the way, like, I wonder myself if a majority of the movies that were coming out in Hollywood that big studios were making, if the majority of them were more indie feeling were more like, you know, these old films that we remember seeing. Like, I wonder, would I be more inclined to go that route? Because I feel like YouTube mm, has kind of yeah. become this new place of where these indie feelings, these very just like raw, uh, you know, videos, short films are appearing. And since mm -hmm. that is a thing, it's like almost like, you know, when these big time directors that are directing big things now, it's like when they started, they were pretty much doing what YouTubers are doing, but it was just like, they didn't yeah. have an audience to give it to. Um, I mean, like, totally. that's what I, I totally would think that like Spielberg and Edgar Wright and, you know, Martin Scorsese, like we said, they would be, I mean, I don't know about Martin Scorsese, but <laughs> I feel like they would be, <laughs> I feel like they would be posting things to YouTube if it was there when they were growing up. I'm imagining Martin Scorsese being like, what is up, guys? Welcome back. <laughs> this video is brought to you by Please. Honey. Go to honey.com slash Scorsese. I'm going to have to get that drawn up or something. Uh, he'd be like the nerd writer who just does like, film essays and stuff totally like that. i i think in that same discussion that there can be a huge disconnect between those big filmmakers and the audience because i mean these are people like who are huge celebrities and like don't live a normal life you know what i mean yeah and their audience are normal people. <laughs> like you watch, you yeah. watch the Oscars, and you're like, man, I I don't relate to I relate to none of these people. But of course, yeah. <laughs> their stories aren't necessarily about them, so they can write characters that we can, of course, relate totally. to. But that is like what drew what drew me to SourceFed. I watched Joe Elliott, Lee, and Steve, and I'm like, these are real people who are being honest yes. with me, and they're not bullshitting me, and they're like talking to me like I'm a person and I feel like I can like hang out with these people. You know what I mean? And it's of yep. course the same thing is carried over with the Valley folk and dynamic banter and all them. Like, I think that is something that you should never, as you, as you get that success and move up in your career and stuff, like you need to always remember where you started. You know what I mean? Yeah, And because that you're just a human. You're not you lose better than anybody just bit. because, yeah, yeah, you're not better just because you're, you know fame i mean it goes back to the 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 dangers of fame and you know success in that way um yeah and i mean you see it happen with youtubers that get too famous and they lose their exactly. mind i mean yeah it's like totally. but there is people out there and i think it's rare and hard to find now but it's there and that's why i think i still continue doing it and once i completely lose sight of it is when i'll probably stop but there's people out here who have that authenticity and there's people who have that you know they don't you know you put on a little bit of a face to make sure you don't just but in the same way that you do when you see your friend it's like you don't you totally yeah and you just it's so much more real and so much more i don't know just connecting and entertaining in a way of just like wow i can just chill with these people yeah exactly and that 
Um, we the first time, or I guess I should say the only time we've gotten to meet in person was when the Valley Folk had a show in Brooklyn. Yeah. Um, it was my first time ever coming to New York. Was that trip? Um, Same for my me. My sister dude. lives here. <laughs> oh wow, that's so cool. Yeah. Um, my my sister has lived in New York for a few for years. I'm subleasing her apartment. This is my sister's apartment. Everyone enjoy. <laughs> and so I, it was like a trip to visit her and come see the show. And I went there alone, like which is ask ask my girlfriend ask any of my friends i'm not i don't do that i, I don't go to places alone it's not it's not that. me so i t- i tweeted out um i was like hey i'm going to the show alone i need friends and like steve retweeted it and elliot retweeted it and i had all these people oh, saying like wonderful. come find me come find me and i like, made friends there and it was so oh that's such so a cool great. experience <laughs> yeah and so seeing them like watching them run out they were holding a bunch of pizzas and they were gonna give out pizza and they only had like one pizza <laughs> but <laughs> it was such an interesting for like, 300 people well yeah exactly in this cramped room <laughs> they have one pizza yeah. for every single human in there <laughs> i think i remember steve being like ah shit that's not enough and just like running away like yeah, he would yeah. do you know <laughs> but i it wasn't a feeling of like oh that is a celebrity i like they are someone who lives a life that i will never live or whatever it was like oh I haven't seen these guys in so long. Yes. I'm finally getting to yes. meet my friends. A very you know old what I mean? friend that you haven't seen in a while. Yes. Exactly. And then I got to ask them a question. Like, they had two lines I remember for this, Q&A. dude. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I remember it very vividly because I was the last person to ask a question. I was like, please yes. call on me. Please call on me. <laughs> Just, like, uh. freaking out. And it's whenever Tungsten was just an idea in my head and um hadn't started the podcast because i was late 2018 we started the podcast 2019 yeah and the podcast is when i consider like the beginning of tungsten kind of that's when we started making stuff and posting stuff um and i'm like i i ran i give them a letter joe immediately takes the letter and like (laughs) throws it down (laughs) and like stomps on it which was hilarious and um i you know, I tell them how important they were. I think I said, like, you can draw a direct line from me watching my first, first source of video to the person that I am today. And that's so true. That's like very from the yeah, heart. And then I was like, I would love to interview you guys. And Steve goes, now? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm like, yeah, right now is perfect. <laughs> um, but man, they're just so like, I honestly was worried, like, you know, they say don't meet your heroes. I was worried they were going to be, like, assholes or it was all going to be a show <laughs> or whatever. And then they did they did a um, a meet and greet, get, got pictures with every yeah. single person. They stayed for, like, hours after to get pictures with everybody. And I got to interact with them a little bit. And I was like, they're exactly how they seem. And it was just such yeah. a warm... Yeah. Like, it still makes me feel fuzzy inside because I watched them for years. And I just never thought that I would get to see them and like i said being in new york for the first time being at like a gathering alone which i don't do yeah it was just like it was just such a big well oh, i love that <laughs> and then yeah. i met you and i was like oh hey and you're like oh you're a filmmaker you get it and so it was yeah it was just so what a what a crazy uh, moment that was yeah i mean that that trip was so just huge to to you know another aspect of youtube is that you don't have a live sense of an audience so 
when you go into right, a room and exactly. there's 300 people that are screaming it's like whoa this is actual real thing yeah. like this is a big <laughs> type of thing um yeah i mean that was that was a wonderful time and they premiered the santa steve video for that year and that yeah. was awesome <laughs> That was so, so cool. <laughs> Love that. And dude, like, again, going back to like spur of the moment, like they didn't even have, they didn't even know that they were going to play that until like maybe eight hours before the show. And then <laughs> wow. literally like, while we were probably like an hour while we were like getting set up and doing uh stage tests and everything like that was when i forgot yeah, who yeah. it was but somebody got the idea like hey we should order a pizza and bring it out onto stage so it was like within you know 30 minutes we had to call and get a pizza delivered and then <laughs> it was like okay we're just yeah. gonna do this now and that's just how spur of the moment <laughs> some of these things are um again just keeping you just you're you're on your feet you're ready to go for whatever's gonna happen next um it's a yeah it's different different but enjoyable still man we've been talking about sourcefed and the valley folks so much i <laughs> i'm loving this i feel like i could talk about them for hours i do want Hell to yeah. dive in more into like the videos that you have made on your personal channel and valley folks yeah. stuff like the bigger valley folk projects and your editing style because i think that's something that myself and the general valley folk dynamic banter cinematic universe community yeah, appreciate yeah. <laughs> and like recognize as, as in the quality of your work is your editing because you yeah. are really talented at taking a lot of footage from different sources that talk about different topics and all this kind of stuff and creating an emotional through line and really making you feel something like like i said i watched your um your video, and this is all linked in the description, your video about how you got the Valley Folk, your first year video, like your first yeah. year at the Valley Folk video, and then your um, your COVID like lockdown video. Yeah. And I've watched all those multiple times and they still, I'm not, I'm not saying any of this to just like gas you up or whatever, but they still make me really feel something that a lot of other things doesn't, you know? It's like, re you're really good at making the audience feel something. And that is, you know, we're talking about YouTube versus quote unquote, traditional filmmaking, whatever. That is a skill that transcends whatever medium you're working on, like whatever platform you're showing mm -hmm. it on. Like that is just storytelling in its purest form. So, you know, walk me through a little bit of those, like, like your editing style. And, and I know it yeah. goes from video to video, but like how you approach different things, because I think that's something that you're probably most well known for in, in this community. Well, thank you, first of all, man. That I mean, that goes a long way for me because that's, I mean, I put myself, I put a lot of myself, I think, into those things. So yeah. when, you know, I hear that it totally makes somebody feel something, makes them, you know, in yeah. emotional in any way, that's lifts me up so much. So thank you for that. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. But like, again, that comes from years and years of editing. And I guess just I'm always I think that comes from also like you're just always trying to find I mean, it's the classic like you're trying to find the story. It can't just be random yeah. clips that are all of a sudden appearing. There has to be some sort of storyline that's happening. Um, and, you know, with the videos about the Valley Folk that I've had on my channel, those were all 
you know, I've kind of stopped doing any like personal videos for the most part because I'm just working for Valley Folk stuff so much. But um, it's like those were the ones that you really do put a big part of yourself into those. And it really just starts off with like, I have this idea of that I want to explain this i whatever what's happening almost like the pin or the the start of a story or the end of a story or something you get this right. one sort of feeling idea and for me it's like music uh music i listen to music mm-hmm. and that thing those song i mean songs will just like it freaking unlock something for me to where i'm just able yeah. to like see something in my head like completely mm-hmm. fully formed almost like as i'm listening to something and sometimes it'll veer away from that song if it starts to go a different direction but a lot of other times it'll actually just be that song that is the groundwork for what i'm feeling um type of thing and then i kind of as i'm listening to a song i'll just like kind of think about you know what's the story where does it start what's the moments that need to hit hard what's the you know and i again i use the beats of a song i think there's certain songs that are like and i think you know this relates just to editing i think any editor would say there's a rhythm to to what you do it totally is like a song Mm -hmm. where there's fast parts and then it slows down and you have to find it and ease off and smooth it out like it's like there's it's an art i guess you know (laughs) and trying to like encapsulate that or put that into video form is just like i don't know it's it's hard to like explain it's hard for me to talk about the process because it happens so it's one of those things that you do it without really realizing what you're doing. You go into a place and you're just kind of like, I'm just going to feel this out and see how it goes. I think you do have to have mm-hmm. an idea. You do have to sit down and be like, this could go nowhere and this could be crap, but I'm just going to do what feels right. And then, you know, for me, I'm somebody who, as I'm working on something, I'm not like, this is amazing. I know this is so good. It's like, I'll work on something or edit something and I'll finish for the day and just be like, well, this is crap. I don't know how I'm going to do anything with this. <laughs> yeah. And then yeah. the next morning, you know, you sleep on it. You take a step away. And I think that's another big key to filmmaking and everything in general is having something that you can totally step away from it. And that's difficult mm-hmm. for us. But if you can step away, you kind of get a reset in your brain. And then I'll go back to it and be like, okay, this isn't as bad as I was saying it is. I'm going to make some tweaks here and there, and I'm going to do exactly what I did the day before. And then it's loosely that cycle until you get to a place. It doesn't always have to be the end, but you get a moment. You get something that happens in an edit that you feel it all of a sudden. You feel the feeling that you were going after when you started the project. Um, mm-hmm. and that's when you kind of know, okay, this is going to be something. And then that's where the excitement starts to kick in. And then you can kind of, depending on the length of the project, it'll either push you to the very end or you'll go another up and down type of feeling of like, oh, this is crap mm-hmm. again. And then you get to another moment of making it work. Um, right. but yeah, like, I mean, one of the, the, my first year video was such a big, that was probably I've explained this to my friends and family that that was the first video that I've ever done that I had to pretty much every time I went into that working on that video, I told myself, you are about to be really sad for the next few hours. 
while doing this be ready for that and then Mm. just was sad and i mean i would have tears coming sometimes when i would be like finishing an edit or something because it was Mm -hmm. just very hard to make but Mm -hmm. again it's this feeling of like this again like we've been talking about you want other people you want other people to connect to it you want other people to relate to this feeling that like this is yeah this is what I'm feeling and I'm sure you can feel it too. If I do it in this, I don't know if you do it in this way, if I show you it in this way and that's, I don't, yeah. Well, it's so like, I also really love how you in, in interact with the audience and you put out calls for people to like, send you kind of interviews and like their own perspective on things. And like, that's something that you did for the, the COVID video, which I have a, a short little cameo. Yeah, you are in that. Thank you for putting yeah. me in it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, in my apartment in Savannah, <laughs> you saw a very raw video of me. And you saw a very yeah, raw I video mean, that of was... a lot of people. Yeah, that was when I was hearing all about blueberries, of how it all shut down and everything. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's how you know about yeah. it is because I ranted about yeah. it for like 15 minutes to you. Yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. Wow. Uh, but th- I think that is so interesting is that you you put out this call like, hey, w- tell me your thoughts on COVID, you know? And this was yeah, summer of last year. It was it was like the month after. It was like when we kind of realized this was probably going to go on until like June okay. of that so probably year. Like, I think it was like yeah, April. Yeah, like April. May. Yeah. 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 And so yeah, like like you said, that's the that's the time we realized that this is not just a couple weeks thing, like when it gets really serious and like that's when yeah. it was really awful in New York and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. And then you're like, "All right, everyone, kind of spill your guts to me in a way." And I think that is so one, it says a lot about how your audience feels about you because they and and I myself included felt comfortable enough sending that yeah, to that you was, like an unedited video. That was such a big, weird again, another just uplifting thing. Because yeah. I mean, the amount of submissions was insanely overwhelming to yeah. the point where I was just like, "Oh my gosh, how the heck am I going to do this?" Because I was getting, right. I got like you know, two hundred people sending in like some of them were like 45 minutes long of them talking. And it was like, I wasn't expecting I had to go through this much footage type of thing, which I was fine with. I think it makes for a better project project, but, um, right. Yeah. That was just, that was, I mean, it's, I'm, I'm very just grateful for it. I can't, it's hard to very like process it fully still. So whenever you're looking through all this stuff, like I feel like I could write a paper about, how you edited that video because I see stuff and I'm like, Oh, that's like, I know what he is doing and it's awesome. <laughs> like I, I know the film, the, 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 the behind the scenes filmmaker perspective of like why he chose that shot to use over this, this like uh piece yeah. of dialogue and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> like it's just, it's, uh, it's very well done. And again, this isn't to gas you up. I genuinely believe no, these things. Thank it's you, so bro. well done. I love that video. Um, so how does, the story evolve as you're watching hours of people talking about for a lot of people, the worst time of their lives. Like that must've been pretty emotionally taxing. It was, I'll tell you again, man, it was a similar thing where I, I wanted to make something for in involving the idea of COVID. I had no idea what Mm. that really was, but 
what I was noticing, I guess, and this was subconsciously, this wasn't really me uh, knowing what I was doing, but looking back, you know, in those first couple weeks in that first month, I think I was noticing that this sucks so bad and is so scary, but we are all in this together and we're all doing, we're all having to deal with this. This is all, this is scary for mm. everybody, every single person. It wasn't even just like a state or a country that was dealing with right. it. It was every single person in the world was struggling and scared and having to just push through this. And I think I was noticing, you know, people putting out things that were uplifting and like, Hey, just kind of like exciting and i kind of took not exciting but like almost like a hopeful like we can get through mm -hmm. this this is going to lead to okay things and i mean again going back now i had no idea what it was going to turn into i think if i were to right. know, if i knew ahead of time that the video would have been a little bit different than it is now but um i kind of took those two emotions or all those emotions that i was seeing just this was all through social media and just i think thought like i want to know what enough people like what a majority of people are feeling about this and that kind of mm -hmm. thought that kind of idea came as i was listening to music as i was listening to like very slowish songs and kind of melancholy songs uh really and yeah the song that's in there is a song by or a song called 22 and it's like I heard that and then started imagining like, okay, I'm hearing people talking about COVID. I'm hearing this kind of story of how mm. this is all happening. And then that kind of lived for a couple weeks, you know, that kind of idea still kind of not sure what that was. You know, these are all things that I just kind of write down and then maybe they get to something or not. <laughs> um, and then right, I heard, right. I heard like a different version of the Beatles song, Oh Bloody Oh Blah Da. And when I heard that, it gave me such like a, hey, this is a, this is going to be okay somehow. Somehow we're going to make it through this. And then I kind of just wanted to express all those emotions in a way. That was kind of when it hit me of mm -hmm. like, once I heard that song and heard the 22 song, it was like I, I, was seeing it again. I, it unlocked something mm -hmm. to where I could see the storyline. I could see, when moments would happen in each aspect of the song or whatever in each verse or whatever and mm -hmm. i even like i do a thing where i'll put a song on a timeline and then uh just put a giant text layer and then just cut it up where i know i want beats to be and then type in whatever the i like a bullet point almost idea of things and mm -hmm. then it was like okay i need perspective i need people to know what's happening here and get and again that was coming from a place too of like everybody was now switching to these virtual things they were all going to zoom right we were only seeing each other then through screens we weren't seeing each other in person so i was like that's how the video has to be it has to be via zoom because i could have asked people to like come over and interview but like that's just a completely different thing we wouldn't have been able to even do that right <laughs> um and so, you know, I sent out a thing on Twitter and Instagram and got so many, so many just great messages and great videos. I mean, there's still so many videos that I, it hurts that they weren't able to be there, <laughs> but you know, mm -hmm. it's, that's where the cut the babies idea comes from. Um, yeah. And then just like really just found 
found moments that I was, you know, I had written down. And then also, you know, this is where you kind of have to give a little, you know, this was again, like the improv type of thing that I had been learning, like steer away from this plan because this plan is going to be a lot better if you go a different way because of what these people are saying. And I think that there's parts of that definitely where like, I had no idea that this moment was going to happen, but it worked out so well somehow because I switched it up a little bit. Um, And then, yeah. And then it just got to that finally got to that play. That was a big, another video of just like, this is hard to work on because this is like heavy stuff that people are dealing with. But it was that one. I definitely felt good getting it out. Like that was one that was just like, wow, I'm really glad that I made that as kind of like a, uh, a pinpoint or whatever in this timeline type of thing. It's also like a really, um, I wonder if you've thought about this. It's, it's a really big like gift that you're giving to the people that submitted videos because I had no reason to document how I was feeling at that time. <laughs> I probably didn't want to, you know, I not, yeah. not until I was prompted by you, but now it's very interesting to go back and look at myself a week after or a month after my whole life and everyone's whole life yeah. just gets turned upside down. And so that's like, this, this sounds pretentious and like maybe too big <laughs> oh, than no. what it is. And I don't mean it to be, but in a way you're kind of documenting the history of the moment. Like, Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm so, Yeah. <laughs> I'm so glad I can go back and watch my feelings and just be brought back to that moment because now that we're like over a year into the pandemic and like the vaccines are out and like there's some hope, but there's also some things that are like really not hopeful and stuff that it's, it's such it's truly is a gift to be able to go back and like watch that. So on behalf of myself and everyone that submitted, you know, Thank you for making that because I think that is the, like, if you would have just made a video about your perspective, that's like one thing, but whenever you incorporate your audience and your community, that is, I think, so honest and so real and like what we need to see more of these days. Well, yeah. Thank you, man. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Yeah. yeah. That again, like that was something that I did have to think about um, was, you know, I was getting personal stories from every single person. I was getting like just their perspective of what was happening. And that was probably the toughest part of that project is then how do I take their personal stories? How do I just extract the feelings and the emotions behind those stories and broaden it to where everybody will be able to understand this overall feeling? Um, yeah, that was tough because again, like everybody had their own perspective and even I had my own perspective and it was, it was trying to like, okay, that was again, you know, I was assessing kind of like who, what is the overall consensus feeling of how this, because there's people that had stories out there that was like, this is wonderful. This is great. I'm loving this. And it's like, I think those people still are out there, but I do think that the majority, and I think even those people would say that this has been hard. It's been a hard, you know, 2020 was tough and it's still tough. And, um, just, you know, trying to spread that 
you're, we're all doing it. We're all here trying to get yeah. through it. And we're just, yeah, it's a very, trying to just, again, like kind of connect with everybody. Cause I think that that really can keep you going. Well, like you said, it was a very hard year. 2021 is hopefully going to be better. You know, it's, yeah. it's always a roller coaster. <laughs> it seems like we all just got on this ride on March 12th of 2020 and we haven't gotten <laughs> off and I don't see the end in sight. Um, but, you know, looking forward, of course, eventually the Valley Folk is going to come back into off in, in the office yeah. and uh, Dynamic Banter is, is recording in person again. Person I again, I to know. to that episode to get today, which I'm so excited about. Um, but, you know, we are, quote unquote, going back to normal, whatever that means. But as you look forward to this year, but really farther into the future, what are your big goals? What are your what I like to call the North star that is keeping you creating things. You know, what is so, you know, you, you, <laughs> you caught me at a time in my life that has been very, very difficult to know that. Um, and we all go through these moments. That's what I have yeah. to keep telling myself of like, you know, growing up, it really was like, I want to be able to make videos like on YouTube for a living. Yeah. That was kind of like, I want to do that. That that would be so cool to be doing that. Um, and then that happened. And then it was like, right. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. You, you now reached what? it at a young yeah. age. Like that's, yeah. <laughs> um, and then it, yeah, then it was kind of like, now what? Um, now what am I striving for? Um, and, you know, not, I mean, to get a little bit personal, luckily, you know, I through even the Valley folk, I found a wonderful girlfriend and yeah. she kind of showed me or just has reinvigorated this feeling of like, hey, you don't have to have this huge end goal to enjoy your time here. Like that was what's been so crazy about her is that it was like filmmaking was everything. It was like YouTube right. was like, that's all I, I just want to keep making stuff and I don't care if I'm up all night doing it. Like I just want to keep keep going 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 and she kind of like made me step back and be like actually i want to have a relationship with this person which would involve like forming a life with this person and then right that's gonna mean i gotta take a step back from a little bit of all this and think yeah. about really what matters um so you know like i'll answer your question just to say like i'm still kind of after I I love directing. I love kind of producing things. I love being on set to like film stuff. Um, as much as I still love editing, I, this year has taught me that editing is definitely something I couldn't do full time because I think that just being mm. behind a computer for all of it is a little bit, right. it hurts me. I like the idea of being on set and shooting things. Um, mm -hmm. So it's really just like continue to grow i think that's one thing i want to continue to look back i mean it's been hard this year but look back each year and be like hey i'm doing a little bit better than i was the year before and i'm feeling a little bit better about the work that i'm doing um mm -hmm. and then just you know like just working on I guess myself really like if I told you like my yeah. goals right now, again, like it's hard to be like, I want to direct a movie or something right now because really mm -hmm. like what I'm focused on right now is like just really 
again, this year gave you a lot of self-reflection. It gave us too much self-reflection, um, <laughs> which you, we found out. <laughs> I don't want to reflect you, anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there, there's a balance you got to find <laughs> um, of just like, mm-hmm. you know, I think us as filmmakers, we fall into this mindset and I think it is good, um, but it can hurt you of being in that hustle grind culture that you can't you know you can't be ever satisfied with something it's like i hear so many people that's never feeling satisfied and i think that that's something that i fell hard into without realizing that i did and so really trying to like take a step back from that and being like hey let's just enjoy life as for what it is as opposed to like going after certain things and going after and you know I feel like I'm like hating on goals now, but that's not what I mean. No, like, not at still all. like still like go after things, but I'm, you know, going back to the perfectionism thing. It's like you I it's hard for me to not put 100% into everything I do. So it's like yeah. trying to relearn that idea that is so ingrained into my head is something that I'm having to actually put a lot of focus on because I'm I know that like that's just going to make my life better which will then in turn make my work better. I will mm-hmm. be able to like concentrate. It'll just be more fulfilling, I think. Um so that's I mean that's my goals right now. Work on myself. <laughs> I'm 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 glad I caught you in that because I think like you I mean I'm just going <laughs> to repeat what you said. We we get so caught up in in the career goals thing. Like Yeah. But there's so much more to life than filmmaking yeah. and a job and all this kind of stuff, you know, that I think one of the positives of this last year has been that changing in perspective. It really showed yeah. me like, not that family wasn't important to me. Family has always been really important to me, totally. but it, yeah. I was like, Oh, this is like all that matters. Like, yep. Everything else. It's, it's this is it. You know this. what I mean? It's below it. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And it should be. <laughs> you yes. know what I mean? <laughs> like that's the order, like the order of priorities is, is you know, it, it needs to be on that stuff. But yeah. um, I, I, I appreciate the honesty because I do think, I mean, I will tell you my, my peers and I, my my graduating class of 2020 what a time to graduate. First of all, Ugh. like <laughs> with a film degree, um, yeah. you know, it, we all feel, I shouldn't say all, a, a lot of the peers that I know and a lot of my friends feel super lost because totally, totally. our world has been flipped upside down. So I think it's good to realize that. That's something that, I mean, we, you would feel that even if it wasn't a pandemic. That's what's so hard about this <laughs> stuff. It's like, right. like, yeah, yeah. you got, I mean, that's, you know, also I'll just say real quick with the whole goals thing. It's like a creative, a creative job there's not going to be some, you're not going to know what path you're taking. It's going to just take you on a ride. It's going to literally like, Mm. I mean, that's what I, my whole job, it was like, what the heck is happening? This isn't how I thought this was going to be at all. Like this is never. So accepting that you're not going to have control over how it's going to go and just kind of riding the wave a little bit. Um, yeah. But I mean, I totally get you, man. That feeling of loss is just so hard for so many people, especially creatives, because it's like, again, I think a lot of us have this like cloud of like, it's hard to put stuff out there right now yeah. because it's it's just still everybody's in such a 
high alert anxiety like everybody's just not feeling themselves so it's like knowing that you're gonna put a ton of work into something and give it to people that really aren't 100 there still it's hard it's hard to get through that and it feels a little weird for all of these like really important things to be happening in the world for me to be like yeah i'm making a short film yeah you want to see my short film? <laughs> <laughs> yes like because People can rightfully so be like, shut up. There's way more important yeah. things happening right now. So yeah, it's been a it's been a weird road to navigate. And I, I think a silver lining is that we're all navigating it. Everyone. Yes. Even people totally. who aren't creatives, whatever. We're all figuring it out. And we will figure it out at some point. As my yeah. the the best advice my parents ever gave me growing <laughs> up is very simple. It's just it's gonna be okay. And this I told my friends that. <laughs> exactly exactly the sun will continue to rise and that is the golden nugget of wisdom we will end this episode on. <laughs> hell yeah <laughs> um kevin uh, thank you so much for coming on man this has been so fun i'm so glad i got to tap into that part of my brain in this episode because i haven't really <laughs> yeah, talked man, about it too much you. on the podcast and it's a huge part of my filmmaking identity and i I think stuff like that is honestly the future of where a film is going to go. So it could be, we have no idea, man, <laughs> but thank you. For, I mean, thank you so much for having me, man. I enjoyed it. It was fun. Yeah, absolutely. Um, everyone, thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you're listening to the audio only version, you should check out the video version on our YouTube channel. There's links to that in the description, but yeah, this has been super fun. There's links to all Kevin's stuff, all of Valley folks stuff, dynamic banter stuff in the description. If you're unfamiliar with those people and what they make, I highly encourage you to listen to it um you will get a weird like you'll get kind of a look into <laughs> kevin and i's mind as how we are and it might be scary and yeah might change how you think about us but but if you like it, it then just know that you'll be our best friend and best friend <laughs> exactly uh, um this has been so much fun you are welcome on the podcast anytime i can't wait to see yeah. what you make in the future and what the valley folks makes and all that kind of stuff. Uh, you know, you're a friend of the show and we'll be rooting for you and whatever you do. So I really appreciate you coming awesome. on. This has been a lot of fun. Thank you, Wes. Thank you. All right, everybody. The next episode comes out Monday at 9 a.m. and we will catch you in the next one. Bye-bye. And stop. Stop.